Habib has to fight Tony. This weekend, Gaethje fights Cerrone. With the fight selections and the fight reflections, this is fighting with myself. Oh, 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 fighting with myself. Oh, 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 yeah. What's up, guys and gals? Welcome to the Fighting With Myself podcast, the podcast for the average MMA fan, hosted by an above-average man. And I am that man. My name is Juice, and let's get cracking. We've got a lot to cover here today. UFC 242 was an epic card, um, despite my horrendous pick of the main event. Uh, I enjoyed drowning my sorrows online with everybody. Some of you were assholes, but most of those assholes don't listen to this podcast. So that's fine, dude. It's fine. Um, I appreciate everyone who listens to me, even if you think I'm an idiot, and that's fine. But seriously, did love those fights. I think top to bottom, it was an exceptional fight card. And um, I'm excited to break it down. That only The only fight that I really didn't like, and I mean really didn't like, was the opening fight with Don Madge and that other poor schmuck who was making his debut. What the fuck was that? That weird clinch battle for, for 15 minutes with, with Don getting those like kind of takedowns. And not doing much. Ugh. Terrible. However. And I was thinking about this. Like usually the first fight of the night kind of sets the tone. And I was like, oh my god. What are we in for? But thankfully it picked up. I mean the next fight uh, between Amari Akhmadov and Zach Cummings was not what I wanted to be. But I think I kind of built that up too much in my mind. Because I was... I kind of forgot about that fight, to be honest. And then when they were playing the B-roll, when they're about to walk out, and they showed um, Akhmadov's, um the highlights of his fight with Marvin Vittori, I was like, oh, shit. It's about to go down. Because I remember that fight. Dude, that fight was one of the best, like, three-round fights, like, that on, on, like, an undercard, like, early prelims that you'll ever see. Um, Omari Akhmadov versus uh, Marvin Vittori. However, him and Zach Cummings, they felt like they kind of felt each other's power early on, and they were hesitant to to throw as much. Um, but I still enjoyed it, and then every pretty much every other fight after that was fire. I do want to highlight the um, Zubaira Tukhugov fight versus Larone Murphy, and uh, this fight kind of flew under the radar for me. I was like, oh, it's you know. Zubaira gonna Zubaira, whatever, you know, Team Dagestan or whatever. And then I was listening to the WoCast uh, with uh, G and Michael Morgan. Really enjoy that podcast. And um, Michael was giving some insight to Lerone Murphy because he knows him. I guess he's a good friend of his, another good friend of his, um, Kane Musa. And, uh, you know, he's come up the hard way. And so I was really looking forward to that fight, and they delivered. And man, the draw was kind of anticlimactic. I was expecting, I don't know. See, and here's the thing, like, I oftentimes do not score fights when I'm watching them live. It's not something I'm very interested in because, I, first, I'd rather see a finish. Second of all, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what I scored. It matters what the judges scored it. And... um I personally think they should, the, like the judging needs tweaking anyway, 
and uh, you know we kind of need to do away with the ten point must system. I'd like to see them implement something like a Pride used to do, where they would judge the fight as a whole, kind of. I mean, Pride had some other weird shit going on. Let's be real, but um, you know, judging the fight as a whole. So in that case, like when they announce a draw, I'm like, how? Because if you implemented that system of judging the fight as a whole, a draw makes sense. I don't necessarily know who won that fight, but. If you are a judge and you have to pick a winner each round, it, a draw should be like so rare. And they kind of are. But uh, the fact that I can name off the top of my head a few draws in MMA, you know, with the majority draw, Tyron Woodley versus Wonderboy. And in a five-round five fight, it's a little uh, more understandable. But you had um, Kevin Casey versus um, the other dude he fought and uh UC one ninety nine. You had um Lando Venata versus Bobby Green, Lando Venata versus Matt Frivola. Like I should not be able to name those draws off the top of my head. So the fact that that fight was a draw was kinda weird. I was actually talking to um to uh, the MMA marks after um, after the fights, shout out those guys. They came on my other podcast, Mixed Martial Opinions. So look for that to come out soon. Um, if it hasn't already by the time you're listening to this, usually we drop on Tuesdays. Um, and they were saying like, one of them thought Larone won. One of them thought Zubaira won. Like I thought either way, they both gave a hell of a fight, and it was it was just awesome to watch. <sighs> But moving on to the main card, and I did um, sadly miss the JoJo fight. I'm happy that she got the win. Uh, some people are saying they didn't necessarily think she won. But again, I don't like to argue with the judging too much unless it's completely terrible. Like in my eyes, like Reyes versus uh, Uzdemir. Like what the fuck? It's things like that I, I care about. But when it comes to Razor Thin you know, split decisions, eh, not my style. And especially, like, moving on to the main card, I was drunk for pretty much this whole card. I'm not going to lie. You saw as much from those posts. Uh, So I, like, don't ask me to attack any of the judging on this fight, on on this, like, card in general. Um... I just didn't know, like, most of the fights in it, I was like, fuck, who won? Because I was so drunk. But I enjoyed every second of it, and um, really excited. So, starting off the main card, we had Mirbek Tysimov and Carlos Diego Fajeda. I underestimated the shit out of Fajeda, I'll be honest. Mirbek, I'm really high on that guy. Um, he's kind of a killer. He's uh, fucking knockout of Eric Silva last... Last fight was just insane. Came in like 30-some seconds. And that's kind of what I thought. Like, not that I was expecting another quick knockout. But, I mean, Fajeda's come-forward style I thought would play right into Mirbeck's game. And boy, was I wrong. I mean, Carlos had an answer for everything Mirbeck threw. So it was a great fight to watch. I didn't think Mirbeck got, like, outclassed necessarily. But Carlos was definitely winning those exchanges. And... That that I knew, I was like, well, fuck, he definitely won. Like, like if Mirbeck would have won, I would have cried robbery, like, you know, home cooking, if you will. You know, favoring the um, the guy from that part of the world. But, no, the right guy won. It was absolutely 
Carlos Diego Fajeda. Um, and then Curtis Blades and Shamil Abukabu. <laughs> Shamil Abdurrahimov. Dude, that fight was insane. And I like, so I picked Curtis. Um, overall, I went three and two on this card. We'll get to that. But um, I picked Curtis, and then I was listening to the I Fox with Juice podcast. And actually, Juice, the other Juice, Hugo, let's call him, or as he was referred to on the martial arts chat podcast, Vector. Because for some reason they didn't want to call him Juice, thought that was slame. But um, he was on that podcast and on his own saying people are underestimating me, Shamil, um, the way he um, destroyed Marcin Tibura is worthy of checking out. And I was like, well, fuck. Um, and I thought maybe his Sambo or, or whatever his, his grappling background is might be enough for Curtis. But I thought Curtis's wrestling would overtake that. Turns out I was right, but when when I was listening to that podcast, I was nervous, uh, especially with the heat, dude. Um, people were talking about that, and it was unclear whether or not the AC was in effect because some fight like, and I'm not I'm not gonna cry a conspiracy. I'm not gonna make excuses for anyone, um, but some fights, even though there was a high pace, I didn't see any sweat. Other fights, there was a ton of sweat, and I was like, hmm, what's going on here? But it proved that Curtis didn't give a fuck. He was going to implement his game plan regardless. And those nasty elbows. Oh my god, that fucking... I would not want to be Shamil's nose right now. Oh, cringe. But good job of him getting it done. I, um, I'm i a believer in Curtis Blades. I'm not one of those guys. I see people tweeting that he's going to be a future champion. Y'all need to pump the brakes. Uh, but... In a, in a division where everyone just wants to slug it out and be, you know, kind of throw cardio out the window, Curtis is uh, is one to watch because he's massive. Like some heavyweights like DC, Kane, Fedor, like they can push the pace because they're smaller. Um, but Curtis is a big-ass dude who still pushes the pace and likes to throw motherfuckers around. So I like Curtis Blades. As long as Stipe is champion and as long as Ngannou is the number one contender, I don't think he'll be within sniffing distance of a title shot, let alone a chance of winning it. But um, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with in that division for sure. And moving on to Islam Makhachev versus Davi Hamosh. Dude, I was not expecting a striking battle here. I was expecting Sambo versus Jiu-Jitsu... Sambo was going to come out on top. Ultimately, he got the win. But, uh, and sometimes when you have two good grapplers, they kind of cancel each other out. And we do see a striking battle, but I kind of didn't see that happening because Dagestan going to Dagestan, right? I mean, they pretty much just go out and, and just fucking wrestle. And Davi, he does like to strike to, to get his jiu-jitsu going. But, um... I don't know. It was it was such a good fight. The pace, they both guys kind of didn't give a fuck. And at first, I thought Davi was maybe winning, and then Islam started to turn the tide. And when Islam came out like a fucking bat out of hell in the third round and dropped that motherfucker and just started ground and pounding him, I was like, oh, yeah, it's gonna be Islam for sure. So glad he got the win, and a decent call out. Although, 
I don't think he should be getting that high of a ranked opponent, especially one who's coming off a win. If you want to give him Barboza, since Barboza lost, I'm fine with that. Um, and I like when guys call out um, the winner of a, a card they're on. It kind of adds some intrigue and, you know, you're on the same schedule, so they're more likely to book it. However, Felder has been grinding his fucking ass off, trying to get in this top 10. He's finally there. Um, he's fucking doing commentary gigs in between. The guy's a workhorse, and he deserves a big fight next, not Islam. People are high on Islam because he's Khabib's training partner, but the guy's not in the like top 15 yet. I'm sure he will be after this. Um, or he may already be, but he's not close enough to be uh, you know, on Paul Felder's level. I think uh, Edson was ranked 7, so Paul will likely take his spot. And um, let's talk about that fight for a second. Uh, Paul Felder versus Edson Barboza was just insane. <laughs> and I saw a tweet right before I recorded this. It was my man Tev Talks MMA, I believe. Um, don't think he listens to the podcast, but he's a nice guy. That if you're nice and you interact enough uh, and you don't listen to the podcast, that's fine. I'll judge you, but that's fine. Uh, it was saying Paul Felder and Edson Barboza were made to fuck each other up. <laughs> Dude, he's right. They're, they're just like, you could fight, they could fight 10 times. I think it's going to be the same kind of insane war every time, just like uh, Jim Miller and Joe Lozon. Like, those guys just fucking go at it. And Paul Felder was having nice success with that jab. Um, here's where I was talking to, um, the MMA marks about this. Um, a lot of people were mad about the scoring. They said Edson won the first two and Paul got the third. And again, I was so drunk and I don't always score live. I'd rather be engaged in the action and not trying to fucking judge see what the judges are thinking because who knows what the fucking judges are thinking now the takedowns of Edson I thought we're going to factor in but Paul's jab was doing a lot of success as well and he hit him with a nasty hook which caused Barboza to shoot initially so I got no problem with it with a Paul Felder decision um Pretty much how I feel about the Mike Perry Vicente Luque fight. A lot of you guys thought uh, Mike Perry won. I don't disagree. Uh, I I have Vicente personally, but I don't disagree. But a fight that close, where where guys are just throwing the fucking kitchen sink at each other, it's hard to call it. Here's what I was referencing about the MMA marks. A lot of people thought the worst part of that scoring was the 30-27 for, Pel for Felder, but Buddy actually had a 30-27 for Felder. So it's not just crazy judges. Um, you know, fight fans are, are thinking that as well. And um, I respect those guys' opinions um, when it comes to fighting. Had a great talk with them. And I, and I love Paul Felder's post interview. He's like, give me a fucking big-ass fight. I'll take Connor. I'll take Cerrone. I'll take Gaethje. I'll take any of these motherfuckers. I love it, dude. Paul winning is good for the UFC. And Edson winning is good too. I'm not saying like that's why he got the nod. But but definitely Paul Felder winning. You know, he's good in the mic. He's good looking. He's a theater major. He's a fucking beast of a fighter. And any of those matchups, dude, I'm in. He did the winner of Iaquinta Hooker. 
He could take the winner of Cerrone Gaethje, you know. And he, he's, to be honest, not that far away from a title shot with a win over one of those guys. So, fucking A, Paul. That was so nice to see. And now the main event. And obviously I picked Dustin. So if you're coming here to listen to me eat crow, here it is. I was fucking wrong. And I knew very well that this could happen. You know, I wasn't expecting Dustin to dominate. I was thinking he would be able to stop some of the takedowns and land one of those uh, right hands. Or possibly catch him in a guillotine, which he almost did. I mean, not as close as it looked, you know, but he almost did. Um, so there was um, there were some things that happened in the fight that were good, but for the most part, it was all Khabib. And if Khabib won, which you'd like, you know, before the fight, I was thinking, you know, this could very well be the story of the fight. I'm well aware of that. But we're going to get into this later in the forum. Like, I would rather put my chips behind a fighter who I am emotionally invested in who I would love to see win. And I don't care if a fighter I'm that emotionally attached to loses. Because when we as fight fans can come together and support, rally behind our favorite fighters and console each other in a loss, that is one of my favorite parts about this sport. When... Frankie Edgar lost to Max Holloway. I was sad. Sad for Frankie. But the way Max elevated him as the way Khabib elevated Dustin, it makes it all better. Dude, Khabib saying he's going to sell his t-shirt, the t-shirt swap, first of all, oh my God. Talking to my heartstrings, dude. Khabib selling Dustin's shirt and give wanted to give that money to charity is is amazing. And I'm not I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, there's a lot of fucking insane people online bringing up the fact that Habib um, paid a homeless person to do push-ups. That's true. And that was a shitty thing to do. But I'm not going to say his wanting to donate to charity is just to mask things like that. I think he's genuinely a good person that wants to do good things. Um, he doesn't possess the ability to lie in English that well, I believe. Like, you know, speaking another language is hard as fuck. You know, I would say Habib's English is about as good as my Spanish. And for me, it is so hard to lie in Spanish. It is so hard when you're trying to put a sentence together than just to like speak from your heart. And Habib in the post-fight press conference, like basically doubled down on that um, charity thing. You know, he was like, this is important. You know, even if we help one kid, that's would be the most big honor in the world or whatever he said. It was, it was incredible. And speaking of the post-fight press conference, if you were a Habib fan and you watched Dustin Poirier's post-fight press conference and you didn't get a little emotional, you probably have no soul. I mean, every question they asked him, 
He was like, I thought I was going to win. He just kept saying that, and it was really, really upsetting. And he has nothing to be let down about. That's the thing. He feels like he let down an entire community of people who were supporting him in Lafayette and in Louisiana in general. He gave a good account of himself. He did better than Michael Johnson did, and, and everyone was talking about uh, you know, the moment where Michael Johnson seemingly rocked Khabib. You know, he lasted longer than Michael Johnson did. And Michael Johnson has a win over Poirier. You know, Dustin is a champion. And it sucks that the interim, you know, whenever you win an interim belt, you don't unify it. There'll always be a little bit of an asterisk. But he's, you know, the way he carries himself, his skills, he's a champion. I don't give a fuck. But all credit to Habib. This is not... um, this is not to just pump up Dustin Poirier in a loss. This um, you know, podcast is is to recap everything. And Khabib proved that he's as dominant as he ever was and, and ever will be. Now, I do think, and I opened the, the show with saying he has to fight Tony. And if you want to call Khabib the greatest lightweight of all time now, I'm not going to argue with you. But for me to put that stamp on it, he has to fight Tony. When you have a guy who's as dominant as Tony and has been doing it longer than Khabib and not getting a shot, for me, we got to see that fight. They've tried to make it four times and it's fallen through. Twice because of Tony, twice because of Khabib. Doesn't matter. We got to see it. And Dana White If you try and give it to Connor, if you try and make that fucking freak show GSP fight, I'll lose my shit. I'm going to fly to your office and take a shit on your desk. How about that, Dana? You pink cue ball. Oh, my God. Dana White saying, you know, all the reporters in the post press conference, is Tony next? He was like, yeah, if Tony wants to fight, Tony wants to fight. Shut up, Dana. Don't talk about, oh, we've offered him fights and he's turned him down. He's had reason to turn down those fights. You stripped him of his interim belt because he tripped on a cord doing media for your promotion. But I have I, I have faith right now that they will do the right thing. Everyone knows Khabib versus Tony is the fight to make. Khabib knows that, dude. There was this, I'll never forget this one interview that Habib did where um I want I want to think I want to say it was after the Michael Johnson fight or it could have been before that he was like I have to fight Tony UFC want I fight with Kesa they want I fight with Aldo no I have to fight Tony I could beat Daniel Cormier and they will say you have to fight Tony he, he alluded to this a little bit in uh, his little post-fight scrum with John Anik, recapping it on the broadcast. He was saying, he was like, oh, they can, you know, doesn't matter, 28 and 0, they're still going to build up this other guy to say, this is the guy to beat him. This is a game, or whatever. <laughs> Which is like, yeah, true, but would you rather they don't build up anybody? Would you rather they say, oh, look, here's a guy that Habib's going to maul. Here's a can. You know? I've said before, the UFC's job is to build contenders, not to build champions. 
and they should be promoting dominant champions. But you know, when you got a guy like Tony who can set up a Darce choke on the feet from a snapdown front headlock, huh, dude? How are you not going to promote that? This is getting a little long. Uh, I want to say that I enjoyed all the fights, and I did enjoy Khabib's performance. He's a fucking beast, and uh, and that's it. And Paul Felder deserved that win, regardless of what what you thought of the judging. And you can roast me for that. I don't really care. There's a ton of people roasting me for joke tweets, and it's you're insane. If I tweet out that I'm going to piss all over the bar if Khabib wins, it's a joke. And you motherfuckers thinking it's like a set in stone like bet that I should like stand behind it, you're fucking out of your mind and go home. Okay? That's it. We're going to move on to some more positive things right now. We're going to take a quick break and then get into some current events. And we're back. Thank you for listening to that so that I can get paid. I appreciate you. Now, there was a few things that happened throughout the week that caught my eye. And I'm looking forward to talking to them. But before I do that, I wanted to give a nice shout out to Sir Nick UFC. Um, If you guys are on Twitter, you probably noticed all the awesome giveaways he's doing. And this is just uh, incredible. Um, A lot of fight fans can win memorabilia. He's got a ton of shit to give away, and it's just awesome. Spreading the love, you know, building a community. And I think it's awesome that he's doing it, and uh, I was happy that I was able to help him out um, with it a little bit by um, helping pick the winners, you know, at random so that it's fair and unbiased. And I didn't enter any so that I could be, uh, you know, outside of that. So it's awesome. So you should follow that guy and look out for those tweets. Also, he has um, some adorable cats, and if you don't like cats, you listen to the wrong fucking podcast. Um, but he's an awesome follow anyway, and you should follow him, Sir Nick UFC. If you can't spell that, what you doing? All right, as far as current events goes, um, one of the biggest things that happened that I'm looking forward to talking about is Chris Cyborg signing with Bellator. Now, I was kind of waiting for this. And because it just makes sense, she had the relationship with Scott Coker in the strike strike force days. You know, they allow a lot of their um, fighters to do cross promotional things like wrestle. You know, Bobby Lashley is in the WWE and then fights. You know, Jake Hager does indie wrestling. Um, Michael Venom Page has boxed, and Cyborg wants to box. Um, and then, and she's also expressed a little bit of interest in WWE, but I. I really only think it's just so she can have a match with Ronda. Um, but to be honest with you, uh, Ronda has the, the power of the pen on her side, so why would you want that? But whatever, you know? It'd be interesting to see if um, the UFC has Ronda under contract in any way. Because if they sign Ronda to Bellator for a fight with Chris... Not only would that be huge, we might see a murder. (laughs) Shit. But I'm looking forward to this, man. I mean, they'll promote her the right way. They'll they'll 
keep giving her fights. Chris wants to stay active. That was her biggest problem with the UFC was she would fight like every 10 months. She's like, dude, I need opponents. I need to be fighting more often. And they're going to give her that. Make no mistake. They'll give her that. Um, sure, it might be a little mismatchy. That's the nature of that division. I mean, the fight with her and Julia Bubble will be very interesting. Uh, it's pretty clear that they're going to make that uh, match right away. Um, although they might give her one fight just to build it up. I don't know. But if Cyborg wins, she likely will. I think they might do a, a featherweight tournament. People were saying that they think that they'll do a, a featherweight tournament to lead to the Julia Bud fight. I, I don't think so. I think they want to give her that fight right away. And then potentially they'll do another tournament, um, you know. Or they'll do what they've been doing is putting their champion in the tournament and just having Chris and Julia as the first match on the bracket right away. So they might do that. Who knows? The Bellator men's featherweight tournament is shaping up to be quite awesome so far. Um, we just saw some of that last night. I only saw some highlights, so I didn't, you know, and I didn't really preview it anyway, so I didn't want to recap it. But um, there was there were some fun things, dude. Gaston Balanos sleep. That was awesome. Fucking hell! And the triangle from Emmanuel Sanchez. Ooh, that was nasty. So I'm looking forward to Chris in Bellator. Now, this next bit of news, I'm not quite sure it's news. Dana White got interviewed by Brett Okamoto for Fight Week of UC 242. He asked him about uh, the videos that surfaced of BJ Penn. And he said, uh, what do you think about that? And Dana White just said, yeah, he's done. He'll never fight again. We're done. We made a decision as a, as a company. I, I guess at that point they hadn't told BJ yet. I'm sure he knows now. He's probably seen that interview, which is a shitty way to find out. But it's what you get if you're fighting dudes in the streets for no reason. And uh, But in my opinion, he didn't definitively say that the Nick Lentz fight is off. Um, so... I don't think they've actually announced that cancellation. Correct me if I'm wrong, and I, I hope they're wrong. But to me, I think he was trying to convince BJ Penn to pull out on his own. Like, I I don't know. I hope it's real. Maybe he listened to the podcast. Maybe he's listening to the fight with myself, and he's like, shit, he makes a good point. BJ Penn should not be fighting. Let's uh, Let's pull this fight. Either way, I hope they do because, oh, I do not want to watch that. I've already seen videos of BJ Penn getting knocked the fuck out. I don't need to see it live with fucking crystal clear HD. You know what I mean? And if they don't, I hope the commission does the right thing and, and not saying, you know, decides not to sanction that fight because holy shit, what a mismatch. Something that's not a mismatch, though, and that's it for, um, you know, event current events. But matchups, dude. Chito Vera fighting Andre Ewell at UFC Tampa, October twelfth, is a hell of a fight. I really enjoyed Andre Ewell's last fight, and uh, I always love um, Marlon Chito Vera. Um, he's awesome, and I want to shout out Marcel Dorf. Um, if you guys aren't following him on Twitter, you should. 
you know, shout out to Big Marcel. He's always announcing these matchups on the undercards of uh, Fight Nights and uh, sometimes pay-per-views as well. Um, not quite doing the, the headliners and stuff. I mean, Ariel and Brett pretty much have that covered. You know, they just have the, the contacts. But um, certainly he's paying his dues. And um, I think, you know, by the time these guys make it to the main card, you know, the fact that he has those contacts early on, I think he's going to, you know, Marcel's gonna gonna be one to watch in the in the journalism game. And anyway, I just love, you know, he seems how somehow to find the matchups that intrigue me. So I love it. And uh, speaking of a matchup that intrigues me, Nate Diaz versus Jorge Masvidal is going to headline UFC 244. Oh my god, I'm so excited! And they're doing it as a headliner. So there's a lot to unpack here. First of all. This is one time where the timing of me doing my show has benefited me because the whole Dana White and um, uh, BJ Penn thing is, uh, and, and Chris Cyborg signing with Bellator has been talked about on these other shows that you listen to because of the timing. They've just come out after I do my show and before they do theirs. But this one was, was reported. Uh, well, I mean, Ariel reported it in the morning, and then they announced it on the broadcast. Uh, and I'm the I'm I'm doing my show now, and uh, everyone else has to wait. So that's I'm so fucking excited. The fact that the UFC are actually willing to have a non-title fight, a non-Connor title fight, headline a pay-per-view is awesome. They recognize that this is a massive fight. Everyone wants to see. It's going to sell the fuck out of Madison Square Garden. Even though that place is a dump, I probably will be there because it's only an hour away by train and I can't miss Nate Diaz versus Jorge Masvidal for the bad motherfucker title of the world. Some of you are upset about that and I get it. Or not even upset, they just don't give a shit or are kind of annoyed with it. But I'm into it. Um, Dana White... And I, I have yet to find the exact footage of him saying, I'm going to make a title for them. Uh, people keep telling me about it. I searched, couldn't find it. Um, the only thing that I found was in the uh, postcard press conference from last night. Um, someone asked about that statement. He goes, oh, yeah, I'm making it. Um, you know, and it's, it's going to be a one-off. Like Someone was like, uh, is the winner going to defend their title? Get the fuck out, whoever you are. Of course it's a one-off, dude. It's like the money belt when Connor and Floyd um, uh, fought. It's just a, you know, a recognition that this fight is bigger than any rankings, any, you know, divisional implications. It's it's a fight that just needs to happen. It's like when uh, Eddie Alvarez fought Justin Gaethje, and he was like, "This is for the title of the most violent man in America." They should have fucking got behind that, dude. They should have made a belt for that. I have no problem with that. That kind of shit is awesome. It's good for promotion. It is good for us as fight fans. It's good for the fighters to build their brand. Dude, I can't wait to see what this fucking thing will look like. You don't think the winner is going to be hoisting that over their head and, and, and having that on their mantelpiece for the rest of their career and the rest of their lives? That's the shit. And I love it. I can't wait to be there when it happens. And I'll reserve my thoughts on, on the matchup. Because at, at the moment, I don't know. If you had asked me like three weeks ago, 
I would have said Jorge Masvidal. Uh, but the way Nate Diaz came back against Pettis, like if, for example, if, if Nate Diaz's comeback fight was Jorge Masvidal, I, w- I would have picked George probably instantly. George, fuck, I hate when people do that. And I'm doing it. Jorge, I would have picked Jorge. But the way Nate Diaz looked, it makes for an interesting fight. I still think I'm probably leaning Jorge, but I would not be surprised if Nate Diaz wins. And I, might, I still might pick him. I don't know. This is the kind of fight we need. I don't want any boring-ass predictable fights. I want two real OGs that are going to fucking leave it all in there and go to the final bell. The fact that it's five rounds is awesome. Both guys have exceptional cardio. Both guys don't really go for takedowns, although Nate Diaz in his last fight did, which was hilarious. Dude, if we see a takedown in this fight, the world might implode. I'm into it. I love everything about it. So, dude, that's it for current events. Uh, the form was a little light this week. You guys let me down. But that's fine. I appreciate everyone who sent in the voice questions. Those are on fire. Those are on point. So we're going to get to those uh, coming up next. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the forum. We're going to do things a little differently this week. And because um, I got a lot of questions that were um, sent before the fact uh, via DM or just by tagging me in a post. So I want to get those out of the way so I don't forget them. And the first question comes from a man, Cyrus King. If you're not following this guy, you absolutely should. Great interaction. Always positive, funny, insightful. He's a shit. And he said, is it possible Khabib is underrated? His grappling slash wrestling is so good. If he were a striker, we'd be talking about how dominant he is. He's more dominant than John Jones. And I kind of agree. Now, I, I think he's properly rated. I think people realize how much of a beast he is. But, um, you know, in terms of putting on opponents. Oh, he also said um, after a fight, he doesn't look like he's been in a fight. And you're goddamn right. Um, if nothing else for this fact, Habib's opponents know exactly what he's going to do. Exactly. I mean, even Dustin said, I knew I was going to be up against the fence. I knew he was going to get top position. I knew these things were going to happen. I just thought I had an answer for them. And they don't. They know exactly what's coming and they can't stop it. Khabib is like a, a freight train. You know it's coming, but you can't stop it. It's crazy. And I think what needs to happen, and I'm no coach, I'm no fucking, you know, Greg Jackson or whatever. I'm no Robin Black, that's for damn sure. But I think the focus needs to be on offense and not defense. I think the focus needs to be on implementing your own game plan and not trying to stop his. Um, that's where I think Tony can survive. I think Tony's going to Tony. I don't think he ever worries about what his opponent is going to do. He worries about styling on them. 
uh, particularly his success in the front headlock position and other things, um, you know, off his back and certain things. Like I just, it's so intriguing to me that fight. We we got to make that fight. However, Cyrus brings up a good point. By certain people, he can be underrated. I mean, if you only listened to last episode, you might think I was underrating him. You know, you might be like some insane people and thinking I was disrespecting him. But it was not. Just really wanted Dustin to win. That's fine. But he is an absolute genius in the grappling. I mean, the bigger guys that he trains with at AKA, um, Daniel Cormier, Luke Rockhold, and... You guys know Luke, Luke Rockhold is absolutely my least favorite fighter. He's a piece of shit. I get warm, fuzzy feelings when I see him unconscious on the canvas. However, I have respect for his jiu-jitsu, which he never uses in any of his fucking fights, dude. Leading up to this last fight, there was a video of him rolling with Michael Chiesa, and he was like putting him in inverted triangles and basically just making Michael Chiesa look like a white belt. And I was like, why the fuck aren't you using that? I mean, don't get me wrong. If that never happens, I'll be happy. But it just doesn't make any fucking sense. What I was going to say is even Luke and DC say that he's heavy on top and they feel like they're fighting a guy their own size. Like his, and, and Dustin said this in the post-fight presser, he said he wasn't stronger than any opponent I've ever faced. He just used it better. His hips, his balance, his pressure is different than anybody else. So it makes a good point. <laughs> All right, this next question is from New Jake. That's at JTX186DavisMMA, formerly known as Please Unblock Me Tony Ferguson. So that's their new account. You should definitely follow them. And they say, how does it feel to get up early and watch fights like us Europeans? Ha! <laughs> Dude. I love it, to be honest with you. And it's a little weird to like have the rest of the day to do shit. Like I was, I was thankful that um, I had another podcast to record right after, and I was talking to uh, Buddy and Ricky and um, my good friend Andrew. That kind of helped me digest things. And you know, did I have um, a fucking uh, demolish an entire pint of ice cream? Yes. Do I eat my feelings? Yes. Is that okay? No. But am I still gonna do it? Yes. Um, so that was a one negative aspect of the fact that it was a fucking early fight. But uh, yeah, I've said it before, like respect to the UK and uh, European MMA fans. You guys fucking are like champions when it comes to this. And like for me, like my sleep schedule, I cannot like pull an all-nighter and stay up. I have to go to bed and wake up early instead. And um, I had no problem doing that. Like, I was already going to be up for these prelims. Like, if they started, like, I don't know, 7, I probably would have had to, like, set an earlier alarm and, like, get my shit together. But this fight car was perfect. I fucking got up in my normal time. I made a nice big pot of pumpkin spice coffee. It was delicious. I made a scramble for my uh, my wife and I. That was also delicious. And then I get to fucking watch... Uh, a terrible clinch battle before we had some amazing violence. So this card was awesome. And yeah, respect to the European MMA fans.
Now, here's a question from Phil the MMA Dude. Um, if you guys don't listen to Split Decision Podcast that he does with the Fight Geek, you're missing out. And, dude, we got to stop just tagging Phil. Tag them both or tag the fucking podcast account. This pisses me off, and I don't know why. I don't know if it pisses them off, but everyone's like, yeah. Um, there's like, what podcast should you check out? And they just tag Phil. It's like, first of all, he fucking has uh, a separate podcast for that so they know where to find it. Second of all, he has uh, a co-host, and they do this, the same amount of work, dude. I don't know. Uh, I love both those guys. Happy to consider them colleagues. Uh, they put out great content each week, and uh, their debates are fun to listen to. So, you know, if you don't agree with Phil, good news. Neither does the fight kick half the time. So listen to the fucking podcast, will ya? All right, Phil says, Has Tony's reputation for easily blocking both fans and haters alike been a factor in his marketability and thus played a role in it taking so long for him to get a title shot? I understand injuries and freak weight cuts have played large factors, but could his social media behavior be another large factor? Dude, and this was on the back of Phil getting blocked from him and then immediately getting unblocked and then a follow? Well done. Well done, Phil. Uh, <laughs> this is uh, this is insane. And I think, I hope anyway, his new management is talking some sense into him because it would seem that he's blocking less. Hopefully, like maybe they introduce him to the mute button. Like, hey, Tony, if you don't want to see that, just mute him. They can still see you, but you can't see them. Isn't that better? And they're like, oh, yeah. Oh, I wear shades indoors. And that's exactly how that conversation went. Um, Tony, I, like, I have made a post about him, a couple different ones, and I tagged him in it. And uh, everyone except Jamie was saying positive things. And he did not block uh, any of us. I mean, certainly didn't block me. And I was fucking waiting with bated breath. I was like, dude, one of these cucks is going to say something stupid and Tony's going to block me and all of us. And that didn't happen. So he's either learned to mute or he's just gotten thicker skin when it comes to social media. I don't know. It's interesting. But yeah, I think that that could have played a factor for sure. I mean, there are like some, you know, hardcore fans, but... To me, like, I don't think casual fans, and not in the way that MMA Twitter calls you a casual, like, I mean, actual casual fans who are, like, casually interested in, as the definition would suggest. I don't think casual fans are, um, you know, pumped for a Tony Ferguson fight yet, but they will be when he when he fights Khabib, even if he doesn't win. I'm not, I'm not saying it's a foregone conclusion he will. I'm just saying, you know, when he gets a big fight like that on a big stage— They'll know who the fuck he is, you know? And um, I do think that has played a factor. The injuries and weight cuts are more of a factor. Uh, like the fact that he was ready to fight Khabib for the interim uh, title at UFC 209. And Khabib had to be taken to the hospital because of weight cut. Uh, he didn't want to take the Michael Johnson fight on 24 hours notice. That played a factor. And he, why should he? That would have been a terrible mistake. But what the fuck? I don't know. It's a great question. But I hope those days are behind us. Huh? Let's move forward. Uh, and this is an interesting question from Harry Andrew 94 That's Harry like the name, not Harry like the person. Harry, if you want to say, to differentiate. It's probably more accurate. It says, what position would Habib play in Quidditch? My guess is beater. Dude, if you know me, 
you know, I'm a big Harry Potter fan, and we need more Harry Potter questions on this podcast, because I don't give a fuck. Um, if you don't like uh, nerdy shit like that, you can take a hike. You can put on a vest with pockets and take a hike. It's funny. He sent this question in before the fights, and I was hoping, like, if Dustin would have won, I would have said, yeah, Khabib would be a beater, and Dustin would be the seeker, because he captured that gold, baby. But obviously that didn't happen. Um, and so it's not right to call Khabib the seeker because it's not his style. But absolutely he would be a beater. Dude, he would take that fucking bat. Dude, dude, if Khabib was a beater, he would probably catch the bludger with one hand and then take the bat and just beat the fucking chasers with it and then throw the fucking bludger at the keeper. That's exactly what he would do. Don't at me. Not fielding questions on that. That's exactly Khabib's style if you were to play Quidditch. All right. Let's get into the best part of this podcast, the fucking voice questions. You guys um, sent some amazing one in, amazing ones in, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Here we go. Yo, yo, yo. What's cracking, Juice? It's Rony Nosebloat coming back at you, man. I've been driving around for work all day listening to the podcast and thought to myself it's been a fucking long time since i sent in a question so figured i'd hit you with one got all this hype for 242 but you know i haven't seen or heard much about this uh september 14th card that's coming up afterwards i'm not sure if it's just because i don't have the time to fucking be on twitter right now slam down with work and school work and just started training at a local gym here but anyway, dude, Cerrone Noseblow is coming back. Well, hopefully not the Noseblow. But that's my question. Do you think Justin Gaethy will fuck up his nose again? And if so, does he do the forbidden Noseblow? <laughs> and he's titled that um, question, What I Have to Add Times Two to My Name. Uh, short answer, no. However, brings up an interesting point. And he's right. I have not seen a lot of um, hype for uh, Justin versus Cowboy. And this is a product of the UFC schedule. This is a product of too many fight cards and them all being back-to-back. Dude, when they announced that, we all got so hyped. But we kind of instantly forgot it because there were other cards. And that's fine. Like, just imagine this. The fact that it's right after 242 plays a big factor in, like the excitement level because we kind of had to put it on the back burner in our minds until this fight's over. And now I'm super looking forward to this card, but even myself, I was guilty of not talking about it because all we were talking about was 242. Imagine if they had switched the, um, the schedule of this fight night and the one in Shenzhen, um, Shenzhen or however it's pronounced, um, the, the China one. Dude, imagine if the Cowboy versus Justin fight happened before 242 and Shenzhen happened after. Oh my god. That that Shenzhen card would have done zero views. I mean zero. Not literally, of course. This is a hyperbolic podcast. You know that. Calm down. Um, but yeah, I'm super excited for it. And actually... The fact that it's so close to the nose blow is um, 
it worries me. And not just the, no, but he had a hard, rough fight with Tony. And um, Cowboy, when he has those wars and makes a quick turnaround, you know, heretofore have not been good for him. Case in point, had a five-rounder with Al, and yeah, he beat the brakes off of Al, but then he right, went right into a fight with Tony, and um, Tony made him look old. And I don't think that's necessarily the case. Now, Justin is going to come in like a bat out of hell. And he's going to fucking pummel him with leg kicks. He's going to throw that right hand. He's going to probably maybe fake a takedown, go for some knees. Justin's going to go for everything. And this is going to play into my pick, um, showing my hand a little here. But, you know, Cowboy does not like being pressured. You know, he does not like being, uh, you know, a Someone when someone's the aggressor, you know, he always says, like, if you're friendly with me, that's fucking deadly for you. Which is interesting. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully there won't be another nose blow. He's gonna fucking learn from his mistakes, obviously, even if something with the nose does happen. Which it very well could, who knows? Alright. He's got another one, here we go. Yo yo yo, juice. Got another question for you. Uh, I'm pretty fucking bored driving around today. So, a non-MMA-related question, and unless you're fucking Nate Diaz. So, we have a uh, 420-friendly podcast here. I want to hear your story about the highest you've ever been. Like, ever in your life, dude. Mine was definitely the time that I went blind. I had my contacts in and saw better after I put my glasses on top. It was was a weird day. Weird day. Probably because this illegal weed has got all kinds of chemicals and shit, man. Legalize it, bro! But what's your story? I want a good one. (laughs) This is incredible, dude. First of all, I have never heard of anyone saying that they went blind from being high. You are fucking probably, not only is illegal weed laced with chemicals like you're saying, like fucking pesticides and all that other bullshit, you are probably getting something that's laced with like PCP, dude. What the fuck? And I was like, I wear glasses and there was a time in my life when I tried contacts and that didn't work out. Um, They're uh, terrible. But if I ever put my fucking glasses over the top, I saw worse. So the fact that he's saying he saw better... (laughs) so weird this is so funny and both so i have two they're kind of tied and both of them involve edibles which if you've ever had edibles you know you can get really fucked up and it's bad you gotta really like it's like a science um i know um i say dude a lot prefers edibles but um me i can't do it dude i've had Good, actually, well, now I think about it, there's three. So I actually had a really good experience with edibles. I'll do these chronologically. So the first time I really had edibles was um, I was working at um, a restaurant. I've said this before in the podcast. I used to work at a burger restaurant called Juicy Burger. And um, we would, I worked like three blocks from there, and it was in like the heart of Hollywood. It was a shithole. And I used to like walk to work so I could do whatever the fuck I want. I, I would go to work drunk sometimes. Like one time I was at this party. And, um, I had jello shots. I had like eight jello shots. 
<laughs> it didn't hit me until the, the like second I got to work and I was like, oh, I'm a little drunk. And then it immediately went away. This time it was around like I, my shift would start at like 11 at night and go to like four in the morning. And then this was like around like seven or so. And one of my friends was like, hey, do you want to catch a movie before you go to work? Um, there's this movie at the Arclight I really want to see called Beginners, and um, we should see it. And so I was like, yeah, absolutely. And then they were like, and I have some edibles. That'll be fun. I was like, okay. We had a little bit at the house. And I was like, okay, that's fine. And then we're like halfway through the movie, and they just hand me this like brownie. And I was not schooled in the art of taking edibles. I wasn't aware that it would affect you later. And so right about the time they handed me that is, is about the time that the first half was kind of hitting me or the first bite, if you will. And I just started like basically eating that like it was popcorn. Like I would just break off a piece and have it like every couple of minutes. And I just sort of was casually eating it. And this movie, The Beginners is a very good movie. It stars um, Ewan McGregor and Christopher Plummer. I think Christopher Plummer won an Oscar for it. He gave a phenomenal performance. Um, if you haven't seen it, you should definitely check it out. Um, or if you don't give a fuck about um, interesting movies, don't. But um, in that movie, they use like weird symbolism to convey a point. Like There's like narration from Ewan McGregor and he'll talk about something and all of a sudden you'll see those things on the screen as like metaphors. And he was talking about like... Um, I remember this exactly like um, he's talking about how his dad had like a spot. The, the dad in the movie gets sick. He gets like a tumor or something or like some sort of like mass on his lungs. And they talk about um, they say it's the size of a quarter. And he goes, how big is a quarter? 25 cents? You know, five nickels? 25 pennies and it shows the quarter changing into the nickels and changing into the pennies and I was just like whoa and like my heart stopped and I was like dude what the fuck and I was so high dude at that moment I was like oh my god and so I had to go back and rewatch that movie to see if it was actually a good movie or if I was just high turns out it was and then I went to work and we used to get free meals and I don't eat burgers. They had a bomb veggie burger, which I would have like most of the time, but sometimes I didn't want it. And so I would give my free meal to my friends sometimes. Like I would just put in the ticket and just give them the meal on the sly. Cause again, no one gave a fuck there. My friend Travis came in and he, he was like with his girl and he was like, dude, you gotta give me that free burger. And I was like, yeah, dude, I'll hook you up. No problem. And then I gave him the burger. He would ask, he asked me for a drink and I was like, yeah, I got you. And then as after that, a customer would come and I would forget. And I would have to like wipe down the counter and then he would see me alone and he'd be like, uh, Mr. Pip. And I was like, dude, I got you. And then, and then something else would happen. He had to ask like four times before I got him his damn drink. So that was one time where I was like high out of my mind, but it was a good high. And I was, uh, you know, it just, it lasted for so goddamn long. And then, um, but I was fine. Now, here's where it gets a little dark. Not dark. It's going to transition. So the next time I got super high on edibles, probably the next time I even had edibles, um, I was at a 420 party. This was uh, like almost exactly one year, like a little over a year into uh, my relationship with my now wife. We were at this party in West Hollywood. And I was going to be the designated driver. And we are just kind of like popping in to see some of her friends and um, – 
uh, it was just like, it was fine. So I was not going to partake. However, the contact high was unbearable. It was like a, probably like a two or three bedroom apartment in West Hollywood with a massive living room. Literally every room had people hotboxing the fucking room, the kitchen. Everyone was smoking the kitchen, the fucking living room. You could not go anywhere without inhaling smoke of some kind. And then the person who hosted it, turns out they used to work at a dispensary and they would make edibles for the dispensary. So they had made a bunch of, you know, high grade, uh, whatever, high quality uh, edibles. And I was like, mm, I don't know. Uh, let me just have a gummy. So once that hit me and I was like, I'll be fine. I think I may have even just had half one. I don't know. I think it probably was the whole one. Um, but my, my wife had some and uh, our friends had some. I had to drive us home. And it was just us in the car. We let we had dropped off wherever we needed to drop off. And I was fine until then. And you all know edibles hit you later. I remember driving down Sunset Boulevard, which is a shit show, and it's always congested, and obviously the cops know what fucking day it is, and they're out. I see a bunch of cops out, and the weed hits me, and I my heart just starts racing, and I probably looked pale as fuck, and uh, she looks at me and is like, babe, are you okay? And I said, I don't want to talk about this right now. i got to focus on driving. So let's not. And then she was freaking out because she could tell that I was high. <laughs> we ended up going to, uh, I think we went to Wendy's. So you could get like a chocolate shake or something or maybe McDonald's. Dude, I was so high out of my mind. When we got home, all I wanted was a bath. And I, I don't take baths. Like I was like, what the fuck? I remember going in the bath and just like slinking down. And I'm I'm a big guy, dude. Um, back then I was probably... 230 or so i don't know heavier than i am now um you know six two six three depending on who you ask and i was like i slumped down into this bath and i remember the water was like up to my chin and i basically like probably fell asleep which is dangerous like i could have like potentially drowned that way uh but i was fucking so high man and i i woke up being like i'm never doing edibles and the third time, Kate and I, my now wife, we were house-sitting for some friends in the Hollywood Hills, and they had a dog, and we got some edibles from my sister, and she was like, you'll be fine, just have a little bit. Like, she even, like, sent us this, like, guide of, like, how to do it properly, because I had said, like, oh, last time I did it, it didn't work out for me. She was like, no, 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 you'll be fine, you'll be fine. And I was not fine, dude. <laughs> I had like just a little corner of this Reese's brownie. And I was even like pacing myself. Like, I know you have to pace yourself now. Like I now have done it a few times. And I fucking had a joint on top of it. And I think that just like sent it over the edge. And I was like spinning, dude. Um, that was just insane. And it got to the point where, I mean, because we had all also ordered, like whenever we used to house at this place we would order from this fucking restaurant which is so good uh it was like a bar in um franklin village called birds and they had the most amazing frickles which are fried pickles if you don't know that and a fucking like a little veggie wrap that i used to always get oh it was so good dude and i have some bomb like garlic mashed potatoes so we had a bunch of that on top of it and i don't know like i just 
I threw up, and for some reason I forgot to flush, because I, th- I, th- I threw up in the toilet. I forgot to flush. The dog came like left the room later, and I saw him, and I was like, "Oh my god, what if he had some of that?" Because you know, dogs like to eat puke for some reason. It's it's disgusting, but they do it. And I was like, "Oh my god." So we had to watch the dog that whole night and we were just both like rocking back and forth. Like, like Kate was high as well. And we were just like, we got to watch this dog. We can't go to sleep. And I remember waking up still high. This is like, like now because I've had to get up early for work so many times, I can't fucking sleep past six 30, no matter what, dude, even if I go to bed at five in the morning, I'm going to wake up at six 30. I fucking didn't wake up until like one in the afternoon. The next day I was still high went to fucking IHOP and I got this they had this country omelet which is like filled with hash browns and onion and and like cheddar cheese topped with more cheese and sour cream salsa fucking bomb and I think I got some like cinnamon strudel pancakes on top of it demolished those bitches too oh my god so it has a happy ending but man I was fucking high as shit and since then I've like I've just like learned to just pace myself like I just realized like I'm a fucking lightweight and I'm just gonna not ever have fucking edibles because they're a bad idea and I'm just going to smoke, and that's fine. Great question, Cerrone Noseblow. All right, here's another um, show favorite. What's up, Fighting With Myself podcast? It's your boy. I say dude a lot, and I got a message for MMA Twitter. <laughs> you thought you had to worry about Hurricane Dorian. You should be worried about the Pam Pocalypse. It's here. And for the rest of MMA Twitter, welcome to Thunderdome, soft bitches. We say what we want. Fact check. What the fuck does that even mean? I say what I want, and I do what I want. The cream is always gonna rise to the top. Oh, yeah. I love that Macho Man impersonation, dude. Uh, it makes me laugh every time. <laughs> Not really anything to answer or comment on. I will say we're gonna get into, you know, you know, obviously, if if you're not um, in the little inner circle, you probably have wondered why everyone has been saying fuck Pam on their questions. And um, we're going to get into that uh, because Pam sent one in. So I will reserve that answer for when uh, I do Pam's question. We're going to explain that. But uh, just know the Pam apocalypse is real. All right, this is someone else making their show debut. Hello, this is it from the hub of the universe called Boston. My question is, after Khabib and Dustin, what do you think the next big hype fight will be? And one more thing. Fuck Kingus, fuck Pam. Oh, Sid. Shout out Sid from Boston. Boston. It was funny how it kind of skipped in the beginning. It was like, Sissa Sid from Boston, the hub of the universe. Says you. No, I love all. I love all people. This is the weird thing about America. I was real. I was thinking about this the other day. Most other countries, they fucking support each other within that country. 
but Americans are like so like a state is its own country. They're like, if you're from another state, fuck you. My state is better. It's like we're all Americans, dude. Uh, but great uh, question. The next biggest fight, well, certainly as far as fights that are announced, it's Nate and Jorge and Whitaker Adesanya. Those are the two biggest ones. And Cerrone Gaethje is going to be a fire as well. But um, dude, if they make Habib versus Tony, that's the one that that's just going to take it over the top. They got to make that fight. I, I don't I don't care how many times I have to say it on this podcast. They're going to make Habib versus Tony, and that's it. That's all we need. If they don't make that fight, that'll be a crime. Literally send Dana White to jail. Jesus. All right, here we go. What's up, Juice? It's your boy. I say dude a lot with not so much a question as a statement. Here we are in the aftermath of 242, and Dustin can get it done. And Khabib is the best lightweight in the world. Now I know he hasn't fought Tony, but you have to admit we're witnessing something pretty special. Um, There's moments during that fight, Dustin had his, you know, moments he... Landed a few punches, guillotine, um, but I was scared for him, you know, like Khabib, you're, what you're witnessing is something like relentless and brutal, and I don't know, I don't know if Tony's up to the task either, to be honest, after watching that fight, like I'm, I don't know, I don't know who beats him, um, what's up to the DM crew, uh, <laughs> Nate Masvidal announced, great weekend, Paul Felder lost. Oh, dude, had to end it with the Paul Feather lost. I love this. I, I, I can always tell when he's high. Because so, sober, I say do a lot, sends in the, the macho man. High, I say do a lot. And he's usually high on edibles. Fucking uh, <laughs> uses his regular voice. Good question. Yeah. We are witnessing something um, savage and relentless. It is. It is. He's quite special. Um, as far as Tony being up to the task, I think he is. Now, does that mean I think? Um, I, like I said, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that Tony's going to win. Um, to me, it's like fifty-fifty. But in my personal opinion, you know, when it comes down to our pick, I'm going to give it right now. It's going to be fifty-one percent Tony, forty-nine percent Khabib. I'm I'm taking Tony, but just by a just by a hair, um, and that's how I feel about it. But I think you know, the uh, the guillotine. I, I kind of referenced this earlier. You know, Khabib said in the uh, post-fight press conference that the guillotine was not as deep as it looked. He said it was kind of tight, but more so he was letting Dustin burn his arm out. You know, Dustin even criticized himself for not going full guard with it and putting his other leg around. That he just sort of put the one one um, leg up to prevent him from passing on the other side. But um, I think Tony's going to see that and he's going to know what he needs to do to f- make sure he would would get the guillotine or or Dars or what have you. So I absolutely think. Um, Tony will put up a good fight. There's um, there's nothing about that performance to me that showed Tony's not up to the task. It does it did show me that Khabib is a fucking animal, which I already knew, you know. But um, Khabib Tony's going to be amazing. I feel like every question, no matter what it's about, somehow circles back to Khabib Tony. Can't help it. I can't help it. 
All right. This is someone making their show debut. Welcome. Yo, fighting with myself. What it look like. It's your boy, Genghis. Nah, it's Lil Uzi Horizontal, or Pam, as I prefer to be called these days because it's elegant. My question is Lucia Pudalova and Norbin Tlaib, two fighters with great size and reach for their division, but they both fucking suck. If they had a baby, would that fighter be good, or would he fucking suck too? Oh, man, that's great. Dude, Lil Uzi, this is the reveal. It's Pam. Lil Uzi's a great follow on Twitter, by the way. You should follow him, Lil Uzi. Um, see, the Lil Uzi for Prez or Lil Uzi Horizontal. I can't fucking remember because people on my Twitter have multiple accounts for when they get suspended and you can't fucking follow them. So um, make sure we get the right account. Follow both of them. Whatever. The Pam thing. I think I did say this earlier. Now that I'm thinking about it, it may have come up in a past episode. Lil Uzi was drinking fucking Miller Light or Miller something, I think, that was flavored prickly pear and lime. Genghis saw that and was like, I know you ain't no man drinking fucking prickly pear and lime. And started calling him Pam. And I'm so glad because for a while I was like, dude, you're going to fucking roast him into oblivion and he's never going to come on Twitter again or do, do anything on the podcast. So happy that he's embracing it. Pam is more elegant. Uh, I like it. Uh, I love the dialect, by the way. Um, for the longest time, he was like, no, y'all going to roast my accent or whatever, dude. I love it. Southern accents are my favorite. It's a dialect, actually. It's a dialect. I'm going to eventually teach you guys the difference between an accent and a dialect. If you are speaking the same language uh as someone in your own uh if you're speaking your own language it's a it's a dialect anyway i love it dude i love it now i forgot your question had to explain the whole pam thing fuck it let's play it again yo fighting with myself what it look like it's your boy Genghis. Nah, it's Lil Uzi Horizontal, or Pam, as I prefer to be called these days, because it's elegant. My question is, Lucia Pudalova. Oh, Lucia Pudalova and Nordin Taleb. Dude, first of all, Nordin Taleb does not suck. Um, that guy's an animal. Um, he did not have a good performance this time, but I don't think that was um, due to him. I think that was more so a credit to the guy who was fighting. Dude, that fucking king of kung fu guy is legit and he's scary as fuck i don't want to face him that's for damn sure nordine to and lucia put a lova <laughs> if they had a baby <laughs> dude I, I don't want to think about that it's funny like if you think if, if you think about like two fighters having a baby like the first thing is like oh it's gonna like match their skills you know it's gonna be like a scientific experiment like blending the dna no what it's gonna be is if they decide, if that kid decides to be a fighter, the parents are going to know how to bring him up right and what styles to focus on. And they'll create like a fucking super fighter, you know, assuming they're, um, you know, have enough athletic prowess. So I think any, even if it's like, 
a fighter that's like kind of mediocre. If two fighters have a baby and they raise that fighter right, the fighter could fucking destroy the parents. Interesting question. Nordin Taleb. Taleb. It's French. I love it. And I love that Nordin Taleb um, used to be a bodyguard for fucking Neymar or whoever the fuck um, soccer player. Yes, I said soccer. It's not called football. Get over it. Um, it's interesting. All right. Here we go. Punk. What's up, Juice? It's the Punk Rock Dad. And let's talk about this BMF title they have for uh, Nate and Jorge. Uh, I got a strong feeling, man. That belt right there is what's going to get us the 165-pound division. What do you think? All right. Rock on. Hashtag fuck Pam. Uh, interesting that that question was played back-to-back uh, against Pam. Um, I think... The only way that that would happen is if they both decide to weigh in at 165, a la what Kevin Lee was trying to do with RDA. Now, Nate and Jorge are not the kind of people to make agreements like that with their opponent. Um, and that's exactly the story of this fight is like, we're the only fucking real motherfuckers in this game, you know. They're fighting for basically, you know, it's like East Coast gangster versus West Coast gangster. They're, um, I don't think they would do that. However, I was thinking about when Dustin Poirier and Nate Diaz were going to fight. Um, there was this whole Twitter thing where, where both of them were like, fuck it, this is for the 165 pound title. I don't give a fuck. They're, we're going to weigh in at 165. They both said that. And if one of them even hints at it, and the other one decides to catch on and they do the same thing. I think absolutely that could happen. Now, it might get Dana pissed and that might be cause for him to not do the 165 pound division like at all. But I, I don't think uh, the BMF title is just an automatic gateway to 165. Good question. And I get it. I mean, those are two guys that both fought a lightweight and now prefer to fight at 170. So I get it. And they could absolutely both make 165, but I don't think uh, it's going to happen, sadly. I wanted to, but sadly, no. All right, this is a friend of the show who has left many a question in the past. Very supportive on Twitter, awesome follow, um, but is not sending a voice question. It's their first voice question. I'm so excited. The cough right at the end is my favorite part. Um, great ode to Smokey J there. And um, love Jim. Dude, if you don't follow this guy on Twitter, he's the shit. He's like a fucking 50-something-year-old legend. They're partying with 25-year-olds. 
I love that guy, dude. He's awesome. As far as that fight goes, and again, people are going to get mad at me. I know all of you thought Edson won, and I don't disagree. You know, there's a strong case for that, but I just think a fight that close is not something that I'm going to cry in my beer about. If they book a trilogy right away, I wouldn't hate it, but the damage that both of those guys took in that fight, they need some rest. They need some recuperation. Like, if they were to do it right away, it kind of wouldn't make sense, but it also would just, like, we wouldn't be getting the full potential. I do want a trilogy later on down the line. They're one and one now on the books, and you have to do a trilogy at some point. Or at least there's a case for it, you know. If, if Edson stays around in the division long enough and um, Paul doesn't get his title shot, absolutely, I would love to see that fight. As far as the Islam-Makhachev fight, I think I touched on this. I don't want to see that. Um, I don't hate it. You know what I wouldn't hate, actually, is Islam versus Gregor Gillespie. That's an interesting fight to me. But uh, Gregor Gillespie needs to fight up. I said before, and that would be fighting down. So Paul needs to fight up as well. Islam, um, he should take Barboza instead because he's coming off a loss. <clears throat> What's up, Deuce? It's your boy, Jav, and the Boy on the Campus podcast. Just really depressed right now. It's not that I wanted Khabib to lose because I want to see Khabib versus Tony. I think it was more I just wanted to see Habib actually have a challenge. And I was just disappointed with the way the fight went and how it just really didn't pan out for Dustin at all. He just gave no threat. Besides the guillotine and the one time he tagged him a little bit. He was really under control the whole time. I think he should do a really good job not getting emotionally attached to fighters, but I'm really emotionally attached to Dustin because I watched Fiveball when it first came out. My question for you is, why do we get attached to fighters like this when it all ends the same? It all ends badly for fighters, and we all know it, and yet we still feel like this at the end of the day. Anyways, I'm going to go back to crying in my beer and hugging my dog now. Thanks, Juice. All right, dude. Love the question. And I said in the past that if it's kind of not the best quality that I, I can't use it because that doesn't elevate the show. Um, however, that was the content of that question was, was good enough for me to keep it. It was so important. Um, so I love that guy's podcast, um, Blood of the Canvas. You guys should check it out. Um, his friend, Tyler Tenstaff, um, sometimes goes on there. Although it's Tyler Staff 10 now. Fucking confusing. And I followed you back, so be happy. Uh, but those guys are great. Um, this is what I wanted to talk about. I'm so glad you brought it up. First thing, uh, Fightville. I don't know if you guys understood that. He's saying I watched Fightville when it first came out. Um, that is a as a documentary chronicling like the Louisiana MMA scene, like on the regional level. And I am so fascinated by the clips I've seen. I want. I'm going to find the the full thing. I mean, I already basically found it, but I'm going to watch it. I'm going to break it down on my other podcast, Mixed Martial Opinions, so look out for that. That's going to come probably in the next few weeks here because that's, that's a great um, episode to do. But uh, um, he's right. And here's the thing. As far as getting emotionally invested in fighters, you have to. Like that's the best part of being an MMA fan. Sure, we have some purists out there who just like the combat, and um, I can be one of them. 
you know, if I see two fighters that are like skilled, like for me, like that was um, Eliseo Zaleski dos Santos and Li Jingling. None of those motherfuckers speak English. None of those motherfuckers have a personality. But I knew they were damn skilled and that they were going to go to war. And that was amazing to watch. But for the most part, what gets me out of bed for these amazing fights is the storylines. It's the heart. It's paid in full. It's 25 minutes to make life fair. It's things like that that get me excited. And I don't care if my favorite fighter loses. No, this is my favorite fighter. I'm just saying a fighter who I'm favoriting, you know, for lack of a better phrase. I would rather console myself amongst other fans than I would, you know, be happy that I picked correctly. I don't give a fuck. And I know I'm not going to convince anyone to see my point of view. Everyone on Twitter likes to put their picks and prove that they were right. And so well, I went oh, 12 and 3 this card, or I went 9 and 2, and that's great for you. I don't care if I'm 2 and 10. If the people I support know that, even if they don't, if they're feeling that positive vibes, like I'm a believer in um, you know positive vibes. That's important to me. And it's important for me to rally behind the fighters I want. And if they lose, I'm going to rally amongst the other people who picked them. That's my favorite part about being an MMA fan. All right. Enough said. Um, Here's someone who's come to gloat a little bit. And they deserve to. Because they did um, say it in advance on the show. So take it away, Smokey J. Hey there, Juice. Fighting with myself podcast. It's Smokey J here from Australia. Uh, last week I called into the show, man, and I said that I knew exactly what was going to happen because we'd seen it fucking time and time again. And lo and behold, we've seen it again. Props to Dustin for that fucking guillotine, man. We've never seen Habib in that much trouble on the ground, and that was a bit of a question in my book, but Habib fucking pulled through that shit like an absolute boss. So my question, man, is fucking... If that event had taken place in, say, like Madison Square Garden or fucking Las Vegas or somewhere cooler, do you think it would have went down any different? Like, do you think the heat really played that much of a factor into it? And also, how do you think Derek Lewis would go fight in Abu Dhabi, man? Because his balls would fucking melt. Bye. (laughs) I love it. Man. That is an interesting question. Um, I don't think it would have played it any differently. If anything, I think Habib felt off, like, um, fed, fed off of, sorry, he like fed off the energy from the crowd. Um, and, and, and it wasn't exactly the hostile territory. Like D- Dustin had said that he thought he would be going into enemy territory leading up to the fight, but everyone was so welcoming and gracious. And um, you could tell like the fans were super respectful. Like they cheered him, you know, at the end, uh, cheered Dustin, you know, but I, but I think the support for Khabib was there, dude. Like they were like chanting like Khabib, Khabib, like during the fight. 
absolutely that was a factor. I mean, the fact that Habib is just a beast, but um, I don't think the heat was as big a factor. But I will say, like I said this before, it was weird how some fights were getting like really sweaty, and then other fights like in a similar pace and exchange, they didn't seem sweaty. And so I don't know, like maybe the AC was kind of wonky because they did put it looks like they did put some sort of um, cover on the arena and some sort of AC like last minute, but it wasn't like crazy. I don't know. Derek Lewis melted balls. I love it. All right, here's another one from the Punk Rock Dad. What's up, Juice? It's the Punk Rock Dad. If Khabib can get past Tony Ferguson, do you think that they set up Khabib versus GSP? Whether it's profit or non-profit or whatever. We briefly spoke about it. If he beats Tony, do you think they can set up that fight? Dude, I have no interest in seeing Khabib versus GSP. All I want is Khabib versus Tony. Now, if Khabib beats Tony, you know, there is a question of like, who's next? Who can really get it done? Um, You know, if Gaethje gets past Cowboy... And they think he deserves it. I mean, his manager is Ali, so that could either help him or hurt him since Ali's manager is also, uh, or Khabib is also Ali's manager. Um, I do not want to see GSP. However, if Khabib beats Tony and they don't have any other fights for him and that the UFC decides to make this, um, I wouldn't mind seeing it. But as it stands... I don't think they will. Now, at the press conference, someone asked um, Dana about it, and he just said, he like took a pause, he looked annoyed, and he said, sure. So I don't actually think that was really leaving the door open. I think he was just saying, like, you know, get off my back about that fight. And then Habib, after, was like, they can build an arena in Africa, we can do for profit, uh, we'll give money to charity. That fight would make maybe 50 million, maybe 40 million. Even if it's 30 million, it's going to be a lot for charity. Like, that was just for headlines. And this is what um, Punk and I were talking about online is that um, Khabib didn't say it to just grab a headline. I'm sure Khabib was 100% genuine. Khabib gets a nice purse and um, he, I'm sure he's happy to like donate um, a large portion of it to charity. Um, George, actually, even though he's a really, really nice guy and does donate to charity, um, he also says that he fights for money and that he deserves big payday so i don't think george is necessarily down for that um so either way i don't think the ufc is like interested in doing like a charity fight like that like that's a big fight and they want to profit from that so in any capacity i'm not really interested um only if it's maybe at a catch weight not for the belt um but you know habib said he does want to retire 30 and 0 and um, he's now 28 and 0. If he gets past Tony, he'll be 29 and 0. And um, the GSP fight is really all that would be left for him, I guess. So maybe. All right. This is a question from a friend of the show, Genghis Black. Juice. What are you from Scotland? In Glasgow, at a wee pub, and a wee baby. Today's question is rape. 
Are both of them raped? Hey, Genghis was right. I need to get stronger. I ran 130 miles to get here. Halfway, big jiggly figure of a woman, 95 stone. She threw me wee body on the ground and had away with me. Ripped me kilt off. I don't know where it is. She took me kilt, maybe. I'm kiltless. She fucking drained me ball sack and fucked me accent sight. Now I know how the sheep feel. Hashtag fuck Tom. <laughs> oh my god. That was great. I shouldn't have introduced it as Genghis. I fucked up. That was my bad. He told this, I prefer sheep. That's so funny. Um, rape. Barbosa got raped. Dude. The more I'm hearing it, the more I'm like, I got to rewatch the fight because everyone is saying Barbosa won. And again, like I'm not disagreeing, um, but I like don't have a problem with the judges giving it to Paul. So I got to see how bad it actually was because um, Paul was landing that jab uh, a lot. And um, they both had success, but they were both just fucking hitting each other with everything that I don't think it's like a big deal. But great question. Great, not so great Scottish impersonation, uh, but I love everything about it. All right, we're going to transition from that to a real Scotsman, and they've got something to say. Hey, what's happening, just Hey, I'm sitting at the bar in the pub, so... I can't really talk that loud. Uh, it's only way it's MMA. I want to know what's happening with Dustin's knee. Uh, did he have to join the fight? How did they know? I can't seem to find anything about it. Obviously, though, I could have made much of a difference to the new outcome. But I think it did compromise his punching power. But could be, but I still fucking want anyway. Anyway, what's your thoughts? First of all, why in the hell can't you be allowed in a pub? That was a terrible Scottish dialect by me. It comes and it goes. The lead-in was good. The response was terrible. That's fine. Uh, if you guys didn't understand that, he's talking about Dustin's knee. Um, I don't. I did not see at any point in the fight that you're talking about where his knee would have been compromised, if that would have affected him anything. Um, I don't think it would have compromised his punching power it could have but that didn't seem to make a difference so um i kind of don't know how to answer this question just kind of um you know maybe but maybe not it's weird all right we've got one last voice message on the docket and this is from my man well he introduces himself. Let me just let him take it away. Juice! It's Mr. Tiddlewinks. How you feel about this BMF belt, man? I'm not really feeling it at all. It feels too much like wrestling to me. I don't understand why they wouldn't just create a 165 belt. The fight's awesome. I love it. But I hate this idea, man. Let me know what you think. I love the way he says his name. What's up? It's Mr. Tiddlewinks. Reminds me of uh, the Chappelle show when he was playing that. Uh, he did a skit about like an old Tupac record. He was like, <laughs> "It's like doo doo, Dave Chappelle. That's not your wife." 
Uh, anyways, we already talked about this a little bit earlier, but I wanted to play it because I love uh, Mr. Chitterwings. He's a great fucking follow on Twitter. And uh, I'm into it. Now, it kind of reminds me, um, Chael, and I feel like I mention him every episode, but, but Chael on his podcast has said like back in the day of the early UFC that when they have a, they would call like the super fight belt and they would just have like a belt for one night and that title wasn't defended. It kind of just like reset the next event. So it wouldn't mind them bringing that back. And I think that would be super egregious and obviously it would be fucking expensive. But um, when certain fights come together like this, I think there's no problem doing that. Of course, it does open the door for like ridiculous call-outs. Like when they started like um, fucking... For a while, they only did interim belts if the champion was like out for a year and they were injured and it made actual sense and they didn't want to strip the champion, they wanted a unification bout. Now it seems like they're doing interim belts like candy. And so you had fighters calling for an interim belt. That's a fucking problem. That's a problem. When Yoel Romero is going on Ariel Hawani show being like, maybe I'm going to fight Anderson Silva for the interim belt. Dude, go the fuck home. Speaking of which, Conor McGregor, Tweeting out, book my rematch for Russia. Book your rematch for never, dude. Go the fuck home, Conor McGregor. Anyways, uh, the belt. I like it, but if we start hearing fighters try and make up their own fucking title like this, like, oh, this is going to be for the violence weight belt, and they should make a belt for me, that's a fucking problem right now. And I didn't even think about it until you asked your question. But for in this, and I said before, and I still stand behind it. In this occasion, I'm into it. I like that belt idea, um, and it could be for 165 if they can play their cards right. But we don't know if that's going to happen. So let's see how it goes, my babies. All right, let's get into these Twitter questions. We got some great ones. For a while, you fucks didn't post anything, and I was thinking it was because you um, hate me because I have anxiety. And that's the way my fucking mind operates. And then I realized everyone's watching Bellator. And then they um, they left some great questions. So this is another question from Phil. Um, he asked about me pissing in the bar. We already covered that. It's a joke. And then he said, seriously, biggest takeaways from the fight. And do you think Tony beats Khabib? Short answer, yes. Long answer, I have no fucking idea. And that's why I want to see it. Um, so my pick was going to be Tony, but I'm not sitting here telling you like, oh, absolutely. Tony's going to smash him. Like it's going to be a hell of a fight. Probably the best lightweight fight in history, but we won't know until they fucking make it. And it comes to fruition. We need to keep those guys in bubble wrap. We need to get Habib on a fucking diet plan and we need, uh, to, to make the fight happen. I almost feel like the only way that's going to make this fight happen as if they don't announce it until like two weeks before um, whatever fight. And it needs to headline a pay-per-view. And so they need to get ticket sales going uh, well in advance. So I'm aware it needs to be like at least a month. But they got to get these guys in a training camp. They got to get them healthy. And they got to make sure everything's okay. And they got to agree to terms. They got to both give both guys a fucking shit ton of money. And then um, sign them up for uh, headline a pay-per-view. Like last minute I'm saying. Uh, but the, as far as takeaway, I didn't really take away. There was like there was nothing about that 
poor performance from Khabib that made me think Tony's going to smash him, and there was nothing about that that makes me think Khabib's going to smash Tony. It just it, I didn't learn anything new. I learned that Khabib is as dominant as he ever was, and that he is, uh, you know, and Tony could still possibly present him some problems, but I already knew that. However, the almost guillotine that we talked about is probably the only takeaway where I would say, you know, Tony in that position probably could finish that guillotine or transition to some other um, Dars. By the way, dude, Brian Ortega coming out of nowhere. He's been in a fucking cave since Max put a beating on him saying, if that was me, I would have finished that guillotine. Shut up, dude. We know your jujitsu is good. And we know you accepted the fight to fight short of Khabib on short notice. But God damn it, dude. If you're not going to move up to the division and go through the ranks to try and get that fight, shut your mouth. Sign to fight Korean Zombie. And that's it, dude. That's it. Want to tangent about Brian Ortega for a second. But yes, I think Tony beats Habib, but only barely. And, and I'm not going to put any money on that. Not that I ever put money on fights because I'm not a uh, degenerate. Um, all right. Not that if you do, but if I would, I would be fucking broke because I'm terrible. Um, now, this question is from Mixtadudu at Mixtaman, one of my favorite follows here. He said, can you arrange an FWM pod listener meetup party for 2020 International Fight Week in Vegas? Don't let that asshole Aaron Jackson know about it. Yeah, fuck Aaron Jackson. Dude, I wish I could do that. And let me tell you something. Vegas is my home. I had the time of my life at Fight Week for uh, 213. I wasn't a part of the whole shenanigans. Um, I was really just like the last couple days there. But I was that's because I was with my wife and um, our good friends Leo and Kayla. Um, funny story, Kayla was like uh, eight months pregnant or whatever. So, so she was like, it's fucking hot. I don't want to be here. But I think um, we would have a better time if we went again. And I would absolutely do some sort of a meetup. But um, if I'm honest, um, the people that I want to be there, I don't know if they would come to Vegas because it's far. Um, so I'm not sure. However, if you do, if you do, 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 <laughs> mixed to do, do. Anyways, if, if, if you do and I end up doing it, which I don't know if I will, I would love to meet you, sir, and have all the fucking beers in the world. And secondly, he said, how in the fuck can you hold an event in the Middle East and not have any goddamn AC? Seems like this was a huge fucking surprise, too. I didn't hear anybody talking about this pre-fight. How did the lack of, of conditioned air affect fighters, and how the fuck did this happen? Well, I seemed like Dana was saying they did something. They put AC, and again, it was a little last minute. However, I did hear people talking about it. Um, most because I always listen to Ariel Hawani's show. A lot of you guys um, hate him, and that's fine. I get it. But um, he's a very important source of information for our sport and um, gets the best interviews. So what can you do? But he was talking about how when they went to Abu Dhabi in 2010, all the fighters were talking about it. They had no AC. They were slipping around. Everyone was sweaty, and they learned from that. So... Um, I think people were talking about it. I think they're just maybe not talking about it enough because they kind of didn't want to jinx it. They were hoping that the problems would get fixed. So that's probably it. But um, it didn't seem to be a huge factor in any of the fights, interestingly enough, except for maybe the Zubaira-Larone-Murphy fight. 
because um, cause maybe without that, LeBron wouldn't have been able to escape some of those positions. Or potentially the Amari, Akhmadov, and um, uh, Zach Cummings fight, potentially. And then <laughs> this next question is from Hectic One. He says, what's more likely to keep you up at night? Thinking about what it feels like to have Barboza break your ribs with a switch kick or blades raining down elbows from Mount. P.S. I know you're bummed, but if it's any consolation, I think Dustin gave Khabib more problems than Connor. That's an interesting point, dude. Um, it's not any consolation, but it's interesting to hear your take on that because Phil, I saw, was was tweeting that um, Connor did better than Dustin, and there's a case to be made for that. Um, I don't I don't know who did worse against Khabib or who did better if you want to look at a glass half full kind of situation. Um but as far as the question I probably would take the ribs from Barboza, the switch kick from Barboza to break my ribs. Because uh, first of all, if he hits that, it's gonna hit me in the liver and I'm, my body's just gonna shut down and that that's over. Uh, with blades it's gonna be a slow burn. And um, it's probably still going to break my face. So I would take broken ribs over a broken face. <laughs> he always has the most uh, incredible questions. Like, would you rather jump into a pit of nails or a pit of fire? <laughs> like, well, you know what I mean? All right. This is from Lo Uzi Horizontal at Uzi for Prez. I guess that's the right one now. So earlier I was saying, you know, follow Pam. This is it at U Z I, the number four, P R E Z. Go follow this dude. He says, one, why does every Russian have names like Makhachev, Magomed, and Magomedov? Um, it's quite impossible to answer this question without sounding racist. It's definitely impossible for you to ask it without sounding racist. Um, that's their fucking name. It's like me saying, oh, why does every American have names like Johnson or Jack? <laughs> I mean, what? Dude. Makhachev, Magomed, or Magomedov. Has to do with stature and their history and uh, lineage. And I don't know. I'm not qualified to answer that, Uzi, Pam. But I did want to talk about, actually, because I don't know if uh, anyone uh, talked about it and I forgot to turn my recap. That fucking fight between um, Otman, I'm, I'm butchering his name, versus Timu Pakalin was sick. That knockout was amazing. I think I tweeted out, um, you know, I love a good faceplant KO because that's what happened. Dude, I was talking about this with Buddy and Ricky. Timu Pakalin is the biggest fucking disappointment in MMA for me as a fan, and it's not even close. The first fight card I watched from the start of the prelims all the way to the main event, and the only fight card I've re-watched several times is Bisping versus Silva. The main event is my favorite fight, and I love it. Taimu Paklin was on that card. It was in, in London, 2016, I want to say, in February. He comes out with like a 20-second submission. The place went nuts. I went nuts. I was like, oh my God, he's got a cool fucking mustache. This guy's going to be the, he's, he's the shit. I can't wait to watch his fights. And I've never seen him win since. He may have a win since on his record. I have not seen it. And I don't give a fuck. I, 
dude, he lost via fucking spinning kick KO to Mark J. Casey in like 56 seconds. Or I think it might have been like a left hook after he landed the spinning kick. But dude, Teemu Pakalan, move up weight classes or go the fuck home. Go the fuck home might be the new take a hike, by the way. All right. Number two. Why the hell is Connor still in the top three? If it don't make dollars, it don't make sense. And that's all you need to know. It's money, baby. Besides, who gives a fuck about the rankings? They're garbage. They've always been garbage, and they always will be garbage. All that matters is who's champion and who's who the champion is fighting next. Anyone else is a crapshoot. On any, This is a sport where on any given night, uh, anyone can win. Ally Quinta gave Habib a hell of a fight. And he was like ranked like, what, number 10 at the time? Come on. All right. Um, number three, he said, who are you putting Edson and Felder against next? Well, Felder, um, I think he should fight the winner of um, Aya Quinta and Hooker. Um, I would rather, well, or the winner of Gaethje Cerrone. I think... If Connor really wants to come back, he should either fight Felder or the winner of one of those two fights. And whoever he doesn't fight, if it's not Felder, um, Felder should fight those guys. I personally really wanted to see the Ally Quinta fight. We were supposed to get that at UFC 223. I went there live. I was bummed out because Connor fucked that up too with the fucking bus and the dolly. Oh my God. I would like to not talk about Connor on this podcast ever again. And as far as Edson, I think the Islam Makhachev fight makes sense. Or Gillespie. Dude, if we could get Gregor Gillespie versus Edson Barbosa, I'd be a happy camper. And let Islam go fight Kevin Lee or something. I don't give a fuck. All right. What's next? He says, what's next for Blades? JDS is the only viable fight up the rankings. I agree. I agree. Um, Blades was kind of on track to getting a title shot. Um the only the only thing I could really see is um, he hasn't fought Derek Lewis. If Derek Lewis gets past um, Blagoy Ivanov, that could be a good fight. Or um, the winner of Walt Harris um, over him. But as far as like who's not matched up currently, it's JDS. And then he said, give Pam a shout out, please. I already did, baby. How do you like that? All right, this question is from Joe Bloggs at JoeBloggs74. That's Bloggs with two Gs. He says, who do you think Khabib will really fight next, Connor or Connor? Don't put that negative juju out there, dude. He is not fighting Connor. And if he does fight Connor, uh, I'm going to leave this podcast. Obviously, that's a joke. Don't you fucks go um, taking a soundbite of this and saying, oh, you said you're going to leave the podcast. Listen, that fight is not going to happen. Khabib is going to fight Tony. And then he's going to ride for the sunset or um, he's going to leave with a one on his record. And that's it, dude. I'm not talking about anything else. Khabib versus Tony or we riot. 
Khabib versus Connor too. There was an actual insane person who quoted my tweet. I quoted Connor's tweet of uh, booking the rematch for Moscow. I said, go the fuck home. Uh, someone else fucking tweeted out one of these fucking accounts that doesn't have a real name or a real picture was like, uh, oh, fuck the fuck off. Uh, it's so obvious that Connor uh, will learn from his mistakes and will do better in a rematch. I don't give a fuck, dude. Maybe he will, maybe he won't, but he doesn't deserve it. He needs to get the fuck to the back of the line. Yoel's forearm. All right. Harry Andrew, 94. Harry, I should say, um, says, What will Connor have to do to stop Dana and the MMA media sucking his dick? He has an asterisk. It's not all of them. He said, hasn't won in three years. He's racist, and he beats on old men. He could literally murder Dana's entire family, and Dana would still be like, Oh, Connor will fight for the belt if Tony doesn't. Uh, he brings a very good point, and um, I don't think Connor's racist. I kind of don't know where that came from. If you're talking about the press conference for Floyd Mayweather when he was like dancing for me, boy, I mean that's you know, I don't want that. That's not even a question as far as I'm concerned. Um, but yeah, he's a piece of shit, and um, they're all gonna love him, so it doesn't matter. I guess that's not really an answer to your question. Like, what will he have to do? Yeah. If he... See, that's the thing, dude. Because I was going to say, if, if he actually, like, gets brought up on these charges and he ends up doing, like, some time, that's only going to endear him to other fans. People love a good comeback story. People love a fucking bad boy. It's the whole Mike Tyson angle. He went to jail. Still was popular. Like, I mean, the, the, here's a guy who actually did terrible things, and and he's still beloved. People fucking love Mike Tyson. There, there's no, he's already beloved, and or or hated. He's either famous or infamous, and that's not going to change for a meaningful period of time. All right, this next question is from Dad Bro at Looking at MMA. He says, "I believe Dustin will attempt to go down to 145 to get the strap from Holloway. He knows he won't sniff it at 155." He beat Holloway twice. I think Dustin would put himself through even harder now. Way cuts again at this point for gold. And God damn it, you may be right. However, when I saw that question, I was like, fuck, he's right. Then, right before I recorded, MMA Junkie shared this post that Dustin had put on social media saying, if I decide to fight again, It'll go over it. Um, if not, I we'll see what else is in store for me. I think he's just being emotional. But from that, um, I, I don't like. I don't know how to take that. I haven't had enough time to process it. I think he is just being emotional. We should kind of forget that. So let's assume he does fight because in the post press conference, he did say that he has a lot of tread left on the tires. But then he did also say that he's in this for gold and um, he's not going to get another title shot at 155 for a long time um, unless he like stays at the top of the, the ranks and then could be retires. Then I could see it happening, but I don't see it happening now. He could potentially try and put himself through a, a tough wake up for 145 that's probably the only way he's going to get it. So I wouldn't like to see that. Um, he didn't look good back then making weight. And he's a lot fucking bigger now. But people have done stranger things. So very int- intriguing question. I don't know. Maybe. 
All right, this next question is from at Canine Bug Finder, California Bedbugs. It says, why will things go any differently for Tony? And if they don't, once Habib beats Tony, is there any reason not to retire? Um, well, I can't tell you exactly why things will be different for Tony. I just I can just tell you, I think they will be. I think Tony's ability to scramble is better than anyone in that division. Aside from maybe Khabib. Although we haven't really seen Khabib in a scramble where he's fighting for top position. He's just gotten fucking top position and just been relentless for the fucking takedown. Tony's crazy fucking rolls and ninja shit is going to maybe cause him some problems. And his willingness to go for that front headlock is uh, a problem. So, I don't know. Blades and shades, baby. That's it. That's why things will be differently. I don't give a fuck. And he said, once um, Khabib beats Tony, which is not a foregone conclusion, he said, is there any reason not to retire? Uh, Yeah, go up and wait, you bear. You walk around at 190. Guess who else walks around at 190? Stephen Winnebard Thompson. And he's a welterweight. All right. Um, Next question is from Ashley, the MMA nerd. Um, You guys should check out her podcast. Um, She does great things over there. And... um, she says, do you think the fact that Dustin got Habib in the guillotine is good or bad for Tony? On one hand, the fact that it happened at all is a big plus for him. On the other, Habib was never flustered and knew exactly how to get his big old head out of there. So yeah, uh, very good point. And I think, I kind of said this earlier. Tony can look at that and know what to do um, better that Dustin wasn't able to capitalize on. However, it's also a matter of getting to that position, and I think Tony is going to try what he can do to avoid that position. He prefers the Dars. Setup is a little different, and um, like I said, he can set it up from the feet because he's so fucking slick with it. And um, he's also doing those MNR rolls. Dude, I just thought of something crazy. And this is like absolutely insane and he would probably get murdered. But what about Habib versus Ryan Hall? Can you imagine those fucking rolls into the leg lock and just ripping Habib's knee? That would be insane. But again, Habib would probably smash him too. All right, this uh, next question is from Jack Duffy. He says, how does the main event of UFC Vancouver affect the division? Assuming Ferguson fights next, is that a number one contender fight? Or do they need one more still? Very good question, Jack. And this is such a hard-to-answer question because, on the one hand, yeah, we're assuming Tony fights next, and that's going to happen. And you would you would think that um, the winner would get... Um, the next shot. However, the fact that they're fighting right after this most recent title fight means that timing-wise, they would either have to sit out, which the UFC doesn't like. They like to keep things moving. And it also means that um, we don't even know when they're going to book Khabib versus Tony if they book it. So there's a lot of questions. Other questions are, if Cerrone wins, he would only be on a one-fight win streak, which is always a hard sell for a title shot. And if Justin wins, 
um, him and Khabib have the same manager, which is such a fucking problem. Because I remember when Mike Perry was trying to fight Thiago Alves. They both had the same manager, Malky Kawa, who, you know, I'm not a fan of. And Malky was like, I don't like that. I don't like my guys to fight. And um, Mike Perry was like, why not? You get two paychecks. And that sold him on the fight, and they booked the fight. Now, because of a hurricane, um, Thiago couldn't make it, and then he fought some lightweight on short notice, some some guy that they just pulled from a random card, and he fucking murked the shit out of that guy. Um, but it made me think, like, dude, why not? It's not like you're fighting a teammate. So I think it's absolutely ridiculous if they don't give Justin Gaethje a shot because of the fact that Ali's his manager. But Ali is a crazy person. So we don't know what the fuck's going on inside that guy's head. And that about wraps up the forum here, guys. Um, this has been great. I was expecting a lot more people to gloat and be assholes, but you didn't. And uh, that makes me love you. And of course, the people that are gloating don't even listen to this fucking podcast. So fuck them, as I said earlier. But I love you guys. And without further ado, we're going to move on to UFC Vancouver next week. All right, UFC Vancouver. It's going down next Saturday, September 14th. And I'm pumped, dude. I love these um, uh, fight night cards because, A, like with pay-per-view, you have to either spend money or access a shitty stream or go to a bar where there's a bunch of fucking casuals and cucks and it's annoying. So... I like to watch from the comfort of my own fucking home without having to fork up $65. And I love that we're headlined by the fucking violence uh, affair of the century between Justin and, and Cowboy. Fuck yeah. And there's some interesting matchups before we get to there. So let's break it down real quick. If you listen to this podcast, you know we're going to talk about the main card and the main card only. Because that's how I roll, baby. Don't have time for the prelims. We got the forum. We got other shit to worry about. This uh, podcast is usually three hours. You don't want to hear me predict the whole card. Let's only talk about the main card. Now, opening up, we got Jim Crute taking on Nikki, uh, Misha Serkinov. Now, Misha has had an interesting career in the UFC. He's looked like a force to be reckoned with. Uh, he submitted uh, Nikita Krylov, who at that point was on a bit of a tear. He has had some nice wins, but he's also... Someone who has like a judo background and hasn't, in my opinion, focused enough on the striking. He got knocked the fuck out by Volkan Uzdemir in like 30 seconds. And has had trouble with some of the topper uh, echelon in that division. So being that Jim Crude is just on the up and up, you know, he's not necessarily like the upper echelon of that division yet. I was almost going to pick Misha. But Jim Crude I like. I think he's well-rounded. He's at the moment 10-0. He's coming in with that confidence. And he can knock guys out. He can submit them. Um, he's just, uh, you know, Jimmy the Brute Crude. I think he dropped that, but I don't give a fuck. I think he should keep it. I think it's a great nickname, and it rhymes with your fucking last name. When you can make a play off your last name like Andre Touchy-Feely, like do it. Jim the Brute Crute, dude. Keep it. So anyways, I'm picking Jim. I think he's going to come in with that confidence, which is a big factor. 
and uh, I think he's going to have answers for everything Misha can give him. So I like I like Jim in this fight. Now, up next, we got Antonio Carlos Jr., a.k.a. Carri Zapato, a.k.a. Shoeface, taking on Uriah Hall. This is a fight that's kind of weird. To me, it's it's pretty easy to predict, at least from, from where I'm sitting. I think Shoeface is going to take this easily. But Uriah Hall is another one of those like disappointments like we talked about with Timu Paklan. He's a guy that can knock anyone out on any given night. But he can also get knocked out on any given night. He can also get fucking submitted. Which we saw in plenty of fights. And that's what Antonio Carlos likes to do, dude. He is someone who I am very high on. That's why I think, you know, Ian Heinish beating him was something special. And and Antonio Carlos Jr. can hang on the feet. You know, his fight with um, Eddie Gordon showed us that. He didn't give a fuck about those big shots and just kind of took him down, choked him out. So I think Uriah Hall won't give him anything that he hasn't seen. And uh, he is coming off a loss, which is something. But I think he's going to look to get back on track. He's taken enough time. I mean, it's not like he got knocked out or anything. You know, it was just back in May. It was a decision. So I think this is enough time that he's got his wits about him. And he's going to come back stronger and probably choke the fuck out of Uriah Hall. How do you like that? All right, moving on. We've got Michelle Pajeda taking on Sergey Kandosko. Probably pronouncing that wrong. I'm not Russian. Dude, Michelle Pajeda is someone that I don't care who you're fighting, unless it's like the champion or whatever, I'm not going to pick against this guy. He's fucking awesome. He's doing the fucking flips. He's crying on his way to the cage. He's all over the place. The guy's a nutcase, and I absolutely am here for every second of it. I love this guy. Michelle Pajeda via flying whatever the fuck. That's what I think. Could be Russian dominance, but I don't know. The fact that uh, Michel Pajeda, coming from Brazil, it's a long flight, and so is Russia, but he'll be on a similar time zone. That'll give him somewhat of an advantage. And it won't be that cold, because it's only September in Vancouver. Got a friend in Vancouver who does not listen to this podcast. Shout out uh, Emily Borgnon. All right, next up, we got Todd Duffy taking on Jeff Hughes. This is interesting to me. Todd Duffy hasn't fought in a while, and he's got a record of 9-3. and three. So he's not a world beater, but he's still, he's still kind of young in his career. But the fact that he, like, yes, it's a long layoff, but it seems like because of that reason, he just, like, fights whenever he feels like it so that... The the fact that he's motivated to take a fight now means something to me. And um, I believe he's also got um, a record um, KO on his record, like a like one of the fastest in the heavyweight division or something like that. Which again, heavyweight anything can happen, right? So don't be shocked if Jeff Hughes wins. But I got Todd Duffy. That's why I'm putting my chips behind. Come at me, bro. I don't think any Jeff Hughes fans listen to this podcast. Let's be real. All right. Glover Teixeira versus Nikita Krylov is your co-main event. And 
this is another one that's like so hard to pick for me. Nikita Krylov came into the UFC at heavyweight. Um, I think he like won one, lost one, and then he went to um, fight OSP. He dropped under 205, which has now been his home for the last several years. Um, and he, he got Von Flute choked by uh, OSP. And then he went on a bit of a tear, like a four-fight win streak. He was knocking dudes out. He, he KO'd Ed Herman in like 40 seconds. And then he got choked out by Misha Serkinov. And the UFC just like cut him. And he had to go on um, he had to go on a tear in Russia before they gave him another shot. And he came back, lost to Jan Blachowicz. Then he fucking submitted OSP and got that win back. So the fact that he got that win back, I think I'm going to pick him. I wouldn't be surprised. Like, old man Teixeira, dude, that old man strength is real. Um, Glover Teixeira uh, can beat anyone in that division if, if he's on the right night. You know, not not John Jones, of course. But uh, I think I'm going to take Nikita Krylov. Just something about it. I think he's hungry. I think he's got the skills. You know, he's a fairly good grappler. He's also a good striker. Glover Teixeira likes to bang as well. He's a jiu-jitsu black belt, but he likes to fucking box, and he likes to, to get hit, get into a firefight. So I think Nikita will give that to him. Um, really looking forward to this fight. But more than anything, I'm looking forward to your main event, and that is Donald Cowboy Cerrone versus Justin the Highlight Gaethje. I have wanted this fight for a long time, and it seemed like we weren't going to get it. And I would rather we get it when Cowboy has had more time. And I'm not talking about, like, more time to prepare. It's not like, like, Cowboy on short notice can do great things. But not when he's had, like, a fucking back-to-back wars. He had that five-rounder against Ally Quinta. He came back against uh, Tony. And that did not go his way. Yes, it was a doctor stoppage. You know, he blew his nose. But Tony was piecing him the fuck up, dude. He was. And we saw this happen. He had a war with Matt Brown and ended up winning via head kick in the third round. Came back a month later against Jorge Masvidal and got knocked out twice. Go back and watch that fight. He got knocked out at the end of the first round and Herb Dean said he was saved by the bell. He was not fucking there, dude, on the stool. And Jorge Masvidal knocked him out again in the second round. And that's when they actually stopped the fight. But they should have stopped the fight in the first round. And things like that are what gives Cowboy problems. It's also people that like to crowd him and not show him any respect. Justin's not going to show him any fucking respect. I mean, he like in the cage, he's not. So for that reason, I've got Justin. Um, I think Justin has has figured out he looked a lot more patient against Edson Barboza, which was so interesting to me. Um, I would not be surprised if, if Donald wins. I feel like I say that about every matchup and that's not me trying to like cover my ass. You know, I don't give a fuck about being wrong. Uh, but I'm just saying, I'm just trying to make it sound like I don't think Justin's going to blow him out of the water. I think it's going to be a close fight, may even go to decision, but I think Justin's probably going to knock him out based on the fact that, um, Cowboy's coming off wars and, uh, he's been stopped before. So, and I will say this, the only thing that 
I would lean lean cowboy is Eddie Alvarez during his fight with Justin Gaethje. He was going to the body a lot, and he said that you know in training camp when guys would pressure him like Gaethje, he finally going to the body was the best way to get him off of him, and that's what happened. He hit Gaethje with a power hooks to the body, and then came up top. I think it was a knee. I think he brought him down with a fucking knee and just got him the fuck out. That was an amazing fight, by the way. Such an amazing fight that not enough people talk about. Um, that's the only thing where I could say, like, like Donald Cerrone loves that um, left kick to the to the body. Um, he loves the right kick to the body as well. I mean, a lot of his offense comes from the right side. But I still got to go Gaethje. So just to break it down, I got Jim Crute. I got Shoeface. Antonio Carlos Jr. I got Michelle Pajeda. I've got Todd Duffy. I've got Nikita Kralov. And I've got Justin Gaethje. And then we're going back to the White House. Pia! It's a little Chappelle Show reference for you. And that's it, dude. That's it. So thank you for listening to this podcast. You can find me on social media at FWM underscore pod. That's Twitter and Instagram. Same handle. Um, I appreciate the the banter week to week. You guys are awesome. Anyone that actually listens to this podcast is cool. If you don't listen to this podcast, you're not cool. And I can say that, and that's fine. So uh, you can always submit voice questions. You hear how great they are for the show. You can send them at any time. Just download the Anchor app and find me at Fighting With Myself, or it's anchor.fm slash fighting with myself slash message and i tweet it out every week it's always there um but if not you can record in advance and send it as an email to fighting with myself pod at gmail.com that door is always open and people have done that so uh yeah thank you and good night and good fights <laughs>